Blog Talk Radio. This is the L2C Media Network. Hi, I'm Jade Etsy. Hey, what's up? What's shaking? What's crack a lacking? All right, welcome to the show. Uh, uh, now, this is going to be interesting because even though we do have a new episode of My Hero Academia and One Punch Man and The Forge tonight at 11 on Tanami, the rest of it is going to be a Food Wars marathon. Hooray! So, sponsored by Pepto Bismol. So, let's get to it. It's time for the Konami preview brought to you by T. V. Dyke. On my hero academia, fighting fate. On One Punch Man, the original super fight champion, Gokatsu, arrives at the tournament. Now he is a monster. He wants to force everyone to become like him. On Food Wars, the memory of a single dish. I'm not sure that's a new episode. It says so, but I'm not sure. On Food Wars, Soma and the others must come off of a menu item using eggs. On Food Wars, Metamorphosis. On Food Wars, the man called Carnage. On Food Wars, the cook who traveled thousands of miles. On Food Wars, Sensual Fried Chicken. On Food Wars, the fried chicken of youth. On Food Wars, the list of students who will join the autumn elections are posted. Then, the students are given a special assignment. Then on Food Wars, the dragon lies down in a sense of skies. And that's your Tsunami Preview brought to you by TV Guide. So, that's all I got. Okay, we got a little guest article, as you know, Thanksgiving Day occurred. And, um... On uh, the Toonami Faithful website, they had a guest uh, columnist, guest article, Toonami, good for the body and mind. We shall read um, parts of it. I was introduced to Toonami by a news report talking about super violent cartoons that aired on Cartoon Network and pictured was my childhood favorite show, Thundercats. I laughed at the idea of Thundercats being too violent. Then it hit me that the show I idolized was on television. Back in 97, internet streaming and even DVD series sets weren't what they are now, easily paving the way for me to be the Toonami fan I am today. Still, the notion that Toonami was showing things that were too violent for kids was always laughable to me, 
especially since it aired censored anime. Today, Toonami play, plays airs plenty of series that could be classified as hyper-violent. We have seen the likes of Helsing, Ultimate, Black Lagoon, and Dead Man Wonderland air on the block. Not that there's anything wrong with these series. However, the block has acquired two new shows that could be a perfect counter to that age-old concern. While containing adult themes and some action, Dr. Stone and Food Wars will engage its audience by forcing fans to learn while they are being entertained. As the old Disney adage goes, A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. I think I just brained myself. Food Wars, while providing us ample fan service and character drama, is also teaching us real cooking techniques and recipes that we can use in our everyday lives. Being able to learn some important lessons in cooking should always be welcome, but get excited because Dr. Stone gives fans lessons in actual science. While it may not be the best idea to replicate what is done specifically in the series, Dr. Stone is chock full of real science that's important to know. Many indeed thrill at Senku's adventures, which could be viewed as the main draw in Dr. Stone. I find the scientific explanation for his schemes to be fascinating. The science being legitimate helps us understand the world around us better. It's like having Bill Nye the Science Guy mashed into a show and adventure. And now there's a combo on Toonami. Have you ever wondered how motor, motar, mortar, motor, or mortar is created? Senku would teach you that it's made with calcium carbonate, which you can get by smashing seashells together into a powder and sand mixed and then cooked. The result is a primitive type of cement. I can't think of a case where I'd actually need to know this, but since Dr. Stone taught it to me, I find myself more attached to this piece of information, which is what I can see happen for a lot of fans as they view this series. They'll begin to absorb the knowledge that could help them down the line. I found the prospect of learning new things fascinating. I begin to think about all the possible topics that Dr. Stone could teach viewers. The most impressive example comes in the 11th episode. Oops, excuse me. Possible spoiler alert. Uh, because Dr. Stone hasn't debuted yet here. I speak that well. Uh, the most perfect example comes in the 11th episode. Sukia has a visual impairment that is mitigated by her helmet using the pinhole effect. It's an interesting phenomenon that helps focus vision, something we in modern times use uh, in a type of lensless camera. Dr. Dr. Stone's information may be more for self-education, less for practical uses. We humans do tend to retain information learned while having fun better than we do when we're reading dry textbooks. Some people prefer wet textbooks. These are just a few of the lessons in science Toonami viewers will get. While some could affect their lives, none can have the immediate impact that food wars can provide. After all, people do have to eat. The lesson in food wars that sticks out of my mind is someone's use of honey to fix an oversalted meat dish. Oddly enough, I could believe that would salvage the meat. Intrigued by this prospect, I ran what someone did by a friend of mine who is a chef, and to my shock, my shock... Thank you. This is a valid way to save some meat. I now know if I accidentally knock salt onto a meat dish, some honey will help rescue my meal. 
After all, meat can be pricey. Oh, can it be pricey? And I do not wish to ruin a dish that is an expensive commodity. This is just one of the many cooking techniques shown that could help viewers, even if we aren't copying down the exact recipes used. The fact that the methods are directly given to us is also a boon. A boon. That chef friend of mine recently started watching Food Wars with me, and since doing so, we have been trying to take inspiration from the show's recipes in our own cooking. But it isn't just about the cooking with Food Wars, as the series can teach fans much more. Towards the end of the training camp arc, Soma struggles to get the needed attention for his puff egg dishes before they deflate. It creates a huge amounts of drama for viewers, as this might have been the challenge that sent Soma back home. He helps me just in case. Spoiler alert. Um, uh, he ultimately uses the flair of his cooking to draw in a crowd much like what you would see from street performers. While most of us won't need to sell our cooking ability, seeing how to sell a product by showing off one's skill in creating is undoubtedly a great life lesson. Many show and action shows make a point of perseverance through adversity, or adversity, but Food Wars goes one step beyond that. Getting to watch creative thinking alongside determination can be truly invaluable when dealing with a difficult situation. Beyond showing one's skill, adding determination teaches using critical and creative thinking can help find a solution to any issue. Problem-solving skills are one of the best things to have in Food Wars is showcasing that. Now, Toonami is making you smarter in scientific understanding around the world, cooking techniques and thinking critically. I find all of these to be important lessons in life. Of course, this doesn't make any of the other shows have less value. I would be a lot sadder without the character-driven opus that is Demon Slayer, the uplifting drama of My Hero Academia, or the hilarious hijinks of Lupin the Third. We have such a strong lineup of shows right now that it's easy to love all of them, but the fact that two of them are actively making us smarter? Now that's both a good defense against doubters and an uplifting feeling knowing that Toonami is enhancing its viewers with amazing life lessons. And this was a guest article written by Laser Kid. You can follow him on Twitter at LaserKidPrime. And i got to agree with him. Toonami not only gives you the finest in anime, but it also teaches you more than you'll ever know. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, maybe next week, I'll uh, try some of those recipes from uh, Food Wars, or maybe start my own Food War. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Uh, by the way, there's a little anime review on uh, ToonamiFaithful.com on Mr. Tongawa. Middle Management Blues uh, from Studio Madhouse, to be uh, exact. Chris Maffris uh, does a little anime review. Maybe that will be the next thing that Toonami will air. Uh, tonight, of course, The Forge. And I'm still making my prediction. Uh, everyone else caught on. I th I think... And I'm not going to spoil anything, but let's just put it this way. The battle scenes alone might give us a little clue as to what's going to go on. So in, enjoy that with uh, special emphasis on Tom and Tom and 
Tom and Tom and Tom and Tom and Tom and Tom. Okay, we uh, leave our little Toonami family and go into Wrestling Inc. And we have, yes, friends, a little news for you. And, uh, well, this news may or may not be uh, happy news, may or may not be happy news for AEW. And, uh, okay, I know we got the uh, rankings, blah, 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 yakety schmackety. Yeah. Do 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 dee dee dee. Do 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 bump. Okay, there's a little uh, news blurb that. Um, hi, how are you? Thank you. Uh, Wrestling Inc. is reporting that believe it or not, AEW is being investigated by the Maryland State Athletic Commission. Why? Well, because uh, they are investigating AEW over the unsanctioned lights-out match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega that took place November 9th at AEW Full Gear. Former WCW announcer and busybody extraordinaire Chris Cruz recently contacted Contacted the commission regarding the Omega versus Moxley match and asked about their rules on blading and allowing matches to continue if a performer is bleeding either intentionally or unintentionally. And if you know there was a commission doctor, right? Yep. And if there was a commission doctor at the show, according to Wrestling Observer Newsletter, which means. Uh, take it with a grain of Morton salt. After repeated requests, Cruz was told that the commission prohibits wrestlers from deliberately lacerating them. Steve? This is good. 
wow. I think maybe AEW was AEW was listening in. Anyway, they got uh, <laughs> no, no, it was, it was Chris, it was Chris Cruz. Ah, uh, uh, they had because okay. I, I called him a snitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, let's see. Deliberately leaving the ring, blah blah blah. Sportsmanlike conduct or physical or physically dangerous conduct and. Deliberately lacerating oneself or one's opponent or by any other means introducing human or animal blood in the ring. And a wrestler continuing to engage in prohibited activities after sufficient warning may be disqualified by by the referee. You know, Chris Cruz used to be one of the more talented wrestling announcers. But... What's he trying to do? Knock a, knock a professional wrestling promotion down the tubes? Oh, yeah, that's right. He almost did that with WCW. <laughs> okay, by the way, uh, critics may not like the uh, new title belt uh, for Bray Wyatt, but um, I thought it was kind of nice. I thought it looked uh, evil. That's right. I said it. And The Fiend, Bray Wyatt's title, has one huge price tag. So says uh, wrestling, uh, com. From what I could, and From what I could, yes. from what I could see, it's about $6,499.99. But I believe the reason it costs that much is because it's handmade by the person who made the belt for Bray, Tom Savino. Yeah, in fact, uh, let's see here. Length, 64 inches. Height, chin to forehead, 12 inches. Weight, 7 pounds, 8 ounces. Individually numbered and certified authentic. Each title will be numbered and includes a certificate of authenticity hand-signed by the great Tom Savini. Truly rare and unique. Due to the handmade sculpting process, no two titles will be identical. Each will be a truly unique collector's item. Genuine leather strap. And each title is crafted onto said genuine leather strap man and and i'm gonna say this savini he does some damn good work i think i mean this this is cool what do you think yes I mean, I, w- I would seriously, seriously, I would love to see Savini's take on some of the present-day WWE belts. I would love to see him out-belt those belts. I'd like to see him do some for some other superstars, too. Yeah. I mean, this guy's good. Uh, let's see, some uh, news on Jerry the King Lawler's WWE contract. I understand Mr. Lawler is on his knees begging that he doesn't have too long to uh, remain. Well, we got news for you, sir. You just signed a new three-year deal. Lawler said he didn't know how long he would be on the Raw Announce team, which has been the case since he was put on the team with Vic Joseph and Dio Madden last month. Lawler reiterated at the uh, recent GalaxyCon 
how his raw announced team role is meant to be long-term. The deal was Lawler would bring in a veteran presence to the team since Joseph was fairly new to the bigger stage and Nadine had never announced before. The feeling within WWE is that Lawler has done well in helping both Joseph and Madden, according to the Observer. And again, please, um, you know, grain of salt. Uh, there's no word yet on who will eventually take Lawler's role or if they still have anyone in mind. Good luck to us all. Uh, so, well, I think it's. I think they're doing okay. Um. Uh, Let's see. Any more news from the wonderful world of wonder? Yes, there is. Think, boys. Well, we got fast fingers today. This is very nice. Okay, let's. Uh, it's amazing how to we got I'm doing a show. Hey, this is nice. Uh, well, this is. This is very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. SmackDown. Oh boy. Well, remember this is po- this was post Thanksgiving episode, so everyone was probably still uh, still lowering themselves with the trip to fan. But SmackDown on Fox garnered its lower, lowest audience for a post Thanksgiving episode, and we're trying to. Get that number fair, still, yeah, but yeah, still higher than still higher than the one for uh, when it was FS1. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's so see here. So I don't know how you couldn't be. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Freddy's uh, SmackDown episode draw drew an average of 2.336 million viewers in the overnight ratings. Uh, according to Showbuzz Daily, hour one drew 2.350 million. Then hour two dropped uh, 1.2% to 2.322 million viewers. SmackDown drew an average of 0.7 rating in the 1849 demographic, which was tied for number one for the night with Frosty the Snowman. This is down 8.2 from last Friday's SmackDown episode, which drew an average of 2.544 million within. 0.8 rating in that 1849 graphic. It's the lowest audience for the show since Move the Fox. It was, however, expected to drop as it aired the day after Thanksgiving on on Black Friday. SmackDown was number nine for the ninth among for the ninth among networks in viewership. Came behind American Housewife 2020, Hawaii Five-O, Blue Bloods, Frosty the Snowman, Frosty Returns, The National Dog Show, and Dateline NBC. Blue Bloods topped the night at 4.365 million viewers. Final ratings will be out Tuesday due to the Turkey Day holiday. Yum. Hopefully everybody had a good turkey. I know the CW's got a turkey that they're trying to fix. It's called Batwoman. But with respect, I give it a chance. Okay. Um... Let's see. Had some uh, little news here. By the way, for those of you with um, Access TV or uh, the folks at Twitch, you may have thought, what the hell was going on at Impact? Well, they did one of those um, uh, back-in-time editions 
where it was Impact Professional Wrestling, a Provincial Wrestling Association, and everybody had uh, different names, etc. Um, even Don better Callis. Than, better than AWL. Yeah, even Don Callis and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forgot his name already. Everybody else has. Don Callis and his co-anchor uh, were dressed up to the nines. I think uh, um, uh, Don Callis was um, was uh, oh god, what's the word? Was finding his inner uh, adorable Adrian Adonis. There's pictures. Um, if you look on YouTube for the highlights of Impact Wrestling. Anyway, uh, in December 2017, Impact Wrestling released writer, director, producer, Gadfly, David Sahadi, who had worked with the company since March of 2006. His exit was reportedly due to cost-cutting measures by Impact Wrestling's parent company, Anthem Sports Entertainment. Uh, Sahadi also previously spent time with WWE as their creative director from 92 to, th- to 2003. Well, uh, 2019, Sahadi moved to Major League Wrestling where he worked as the director, according to his LinkedIn. Earlier today, Sahadi announced he would be returning to Impact Wrestling as writer, director, and producer on a full-time basis. Wow. He's back. Anyway, uh, we got one more little thing. Well, actually, that's about it for the wrestling portion of this broadcast. It is time for us to say au revoir for another fun weekend reminder. It's uh, Food Wars Marathon, which means if you want to, copy down every recipe they did. But, of course, uh, Midnight Eastern if I'm not mistaken, uh, sometime after the first commercial break, uh, part three of The Forge will air. And we'll find out what everybody is, well, sort of hemming and hawing on uh, Twitter. That, um, like we said, some things are about to make it, some things are going to change. But one thing will remain. It will still be hosted by Tom. Anyway, enjoy uh, enjoy your Saturday night of Toonami feasting. And Jay and I will see you Friday night with Matt. And once again, 1130 here on Blog Talk Radio. And once again, here Saturday night, 630 on Block Talk Radio for Jada Brain Man presents Russell Anime Hut, starring Jada Brain Man and some guy named Steve Baxley. Between now and then, you have a great rest of your Saturday. Brain, I think that's it. And it. Okay. Bye. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Kill it. Happy New Year! (laughs) Bye! Seven o'clock!